Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I am grateful to be here. I look out and I see so many faces that I know are praying for me and my family. See, so many people who have allowed us to go out into the mission field that is the metro Atlanta area. And without you guys, we would not be able to do our part of the mission of reaching the nations that have come right here to our doorstep. And so thank you so much. And I also see a lot of faces I know that financially support us. And so thank you for those of you who, uh, who support us in that manner as well. As Stephen said, we do get to tackle three chapters today, but um, I won't be preaching three sermons. So uh, you'll still be out of here by lunchtime, hopefully. Um, but we're, we're looking at Romans 9, 10, and 11, and these chapters are traditionally taught together. This is God's plan for his people, where he's taking them. Um, but as I was pouring through these chapters, I just kept getting stuck. Now, I love these, by the way. I hope you guys are making good use of your journals. I've been in this almost every single day since we started this series, and more so in 9, 10, and 11, as after Fred gave me this assignment to teach this, I just kept running into all these huge topics that were stuffed into these three chapters. And I realized there is no way I can get through everything that is in here. And I would read through it again. God, what is it that you want your people to know this morning? What do you want me to be teaching and bringing to light? And I think part of my struggle was that I kept getting caught up in its author. The vessel that God used to write these chapters, Paul. Now, some of you may not realize this, but Paul has so many critics. Maybe some of us are Paul's critics. But Paul is always talking about these super high standards and how we got to be this and we got to be that. And it doesn't even seem like Paul can meet his own standards. Do you remember chapter 7 when he said, I do the thing that I don't want to do and I can't do the thing that I want to? So Paul is often called this overbearing perfectionist. And I think I kept getting caught up in that as I was studying this. But then I got to Romans chapter 11, verse 22 one day. This was about the fifth time I had, had read through this. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Now we know Paul's history from the book of Acts. We know that Paul was someone who persecuted the church. He took great pride in persecuting the church. Paul was there when Stephen was, was killed, and he cheered on those who were stoning him. But then something happened. He encountered the risen Christ, and his life was changed. He was no longer the Paul that we met in the beginning of Acts, called Saul then. Something had changed deep within him. Paul has moved from a persecutor of the gospel into a proclaimer of the gospel. And it wasn't through anything he had done himself. It was through the kindness of God. But see, something else is going on at the same time. The majority of the Jewish people are not following in the same direction Paul has turned. 
They're continuing on straight rather than turning in the right direction to follow the Messiah. When I was in college, I uh, ran cross country. I got to be part of the very first team, the very first official team at Tacoa Falls College, um, the, the cross country team. It had been decades since they had a team, and I got to be part of that first team. It was an exciting year. It was a fun year. We had this very tight-knit family that we formed in this cross-country team. And Coach even set things up so that that very first year we could have a home race. And it was on homecoming weekend. So people from all over the country were coming back. My parents came down from New York to watch my brother and I run. I had chariots of fire playing in my head. We were all amped up and ready to go. And then the race started. It was hot. It was humid. It felt like you were breathing in clouds of fire. I had the worst shin splints ever. But none of that compared to what I had to watch from a distance. I came up over this small little hill, and probably about a half mile in front of me, I could see one of our best runners. And he continued on straight when he should have turned to follow the course. We had to hand the trophy off to a visiting team that day. We were all embarrassed. A race that we should have won, we lost. See, on a much more significant note, this is what Paul is witnessing among his own brethren. When they should have turned to follow the Messiah, they stayed straight. And so we get to, to Romans chapter 9. This is on page 40 in your journals, verses 1 through 3. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That doesn't sound like an overbearing perfectionist to me. That sounds like a man truly changed by encountering Christ. By realizing that despite his evilness, that God loved him. That God's kindness truly was enough for Paul. See, the Jewish people had been set up for victory. If anyone should have recognized the Messiah, it should have been them. The family of God was established by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses is given the law, God's rules for following him and how to love him. And then we get to David who establishes the earthly kingdom and Solomon builds the temple. God's permanent home among his people. And yet something happened. They turned to themselves to fulfill what God could only do. In verses 32 and 33, Paul says, Because they did not pursue it, that is the law, by faith, but as if it were by works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, that's Jesus, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offenses, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. See, the Jewish people began to believe in their own ability to keep the law. They began to take pride in how good they were at following the rules. 
rather than putting their trust, rather than putting their hope, rather than putting their faith in a God that wanted to change their hearts, that wanted to transform them so that they could keep the law. I was a little bit taken aback when I realized that Paul is writing this history of the Jewish people and their fall from God's grace to a largely Gentile audience. Why would he do that? And I'm sure there's many reasons, but this morning I want to hit on a couple of them. See, the first is that we have been adopted into the family of God. We have become the people of promise, the people that were promised to Abraham when he was told you will become a father of many nations. That's us, the Gentiles, us. We no longer have to be orphans. We no longer have to be a people without a God. But we get to be adopted into the family of God. Amen. And God is saying, you belong here. The king of the universe, the creator of everything, wants to call you his child. Yes. There is not much better news than that. Listen to what Paul says as he's quoting the prophet Hosea in verses 25 and 26 of chapter 9. Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. If that doesn't do something in you, we need to check your pulse. Maybe you're asleep. I don't know, but this is exciting. Dan gets it. <laughs> this, my friends, is the gospel. This is the good news. I met a man, my wife and I met a man this, uh, this summer as we were in one of our communities doing ministry. Um, and I knew it was right where we needed to be and who he needed to be talking to because the man came running up to us and said, God told me to talk to you. I said, well, this one's going to be easy. And we talked to him for a while and he began to pour out his heart to us. He began to tell us about how he had been working so hard to save up money. He was trying to move his family out of the apartment complex that they were in. Uh, it's a very bad complex uh, both in terms of the, the drug use that goes on there, the crime that happens in there, and just the, the conditions of the apartment. And so he wanted nothing more than to serve his family by saving money so he could move them out. And they had found a house in a nicer part of town, and they had put the first month's rent down, and they had been in there for two days when they received a note on the door that said, you need to move out. We've decided to rent to someone else. And what was more heartbreaking to me than that was how he kept saying that, that he didn't do drugs and he didn't drink and he didn't do anything wrong. So he believed that God should be blessing him. And while he professed faith in Jesus, he did not realize that this is not the gospel. That God does not give us more because we have followed his rules. He doesn't love us more if we get everything right, right. He doesn't love us less if we screw things up. 
He loves us unconditionally, no matter what we have done, no matter who we are. And he blesses us because he loves us, because he is our Father. He wants to give good things to us, and he loves us. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't consequences when we do things wrong. Don't read into what I'm saying. But he wants to bless us because he is good, because he is kind. Now to drive this idea of us being adopted in a little bit farther in chapter 11. I believe it's page 48 in your journal. Um, Paul tells us about two types of olive trees. The first olive tree, God got down in the dirt and he planted And he had been nurturing this olive tree. He fertilized it. He put mulch around it so the weeds wouldn't grow up. He pruned it. He watered it. He talked to it. Everyone who's a real gardener in here will know that you've got to talk to your plants if you want them to grow real. And then there were these other trees, these wild olive trees. But over here with the cultivated one is where he has been spending his time. This is where... He has loved. And it's not that he doesn't love the other olive trees. This is just where he's been. But Paul tells us that something happened. Some of the branches stopped producing fruit. Some of the the branches went bad. But notice that it does not say that when the branches went bad, that God went in there and chopped down the tree and planted another one. No. Paul tells us that God goes in and he cuts off the bad branches. And then he goes over here to these wild olive trees and he begins to cut branches off of them. The wild olive trees being the peoples of the world. And he takes these branches and he goes back over to the cultivated olive tree and he grafts them in. And he says, you belong here. This is where I want you to be. Last October, my wife and I um, got to officially adopt our daughter. Um, And I think we've, there we go. Yeah, I love that picture. Um, But something happened besides her becoming our legal daughter, more than her taking our last name. My parents and Anna's parents became her grandparents. And our grandparents became her great-grandparents. And because I can trace my ancestry all the way back to the Mayflower, now Allie can trace her ancestry all the way back to the Mayflower. See, when Allie was adopted into our family, she took on all the history of our family. She became a Baldwin through and through. So this leads us into the second reason why Paul has decided to mention to the Gentiles that this happened to the nation of Israel, to the people of God. See, there's, there's a, I don't know if I would call it a movement, but there's a lot of people right now within the Christian church who want to reject the Old Testament. And I'll be the first to tell you there's a lot of tough stuff in there. There's a lot of things I struggle with and, and I don't have the answers to yet. But you see, since we have been adopted into the family of God, 
and we are now called children of Abraham. That means everything that they have gone through, we have also adopted as our history. If we truly are the children of Abraham, God's people of promise, that means that everything in the Old Testament that we look at and say we would never do is actually a warning to us. And so Paul says this, chapter 11, verses 17 through 21. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the roots, but the roots who support you. You see, we were grafted in to the tree in addition to those who have stayed faithful, not instead of the ones that were removed. It is not in our self-righteousness. It is not in our, our working. It is not in our striving that we stay in the family. No, it's because of God's kindness. God's kindness to us, provided that we stay in that kindness. This has been a really good morning so far. And I hope you have already met with God. But for some of us, what I'm about to say can be a little bit difficult. See, I think to stay in that kindness of God, we have to continue to go back and remember where we have come from. Not that we stay there, because you can't move forward if you're constantly looking back at your sin. But knowing where God saved us from, knowing what he has done for us. See, this chapter 7, verse 18, I think is a good starting place for us. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. If we can start out each day saying, God, I know that there's nothing good in me, but I know that because you love me, that you want to do something good through me. See, this is how we start with God's kindness, by understanding that it is only through him that we can actually accomplish anything of any worth and value. I don't know about you guys, but I love free stuff. Uh, one of the perks of doing all the merchandise for Envision Atlanta is that I have ordered enough stuff from some of these merchandise companies that now they just send me things in the mail. All right. Just the other day, Anna came home and she's like, where, where did this bag and this lanyard come from? Did you buy these? I was like, no. They just sent it to me because they're hoping that I'll buy more. Yeah. I'm not yet, but for now I've got some free stuff. Last October, Anna and Allie were up in New York uh, visiting with her mom as she was recovering from cancer. And uh, I was watching a basketball game one night. And I had my laptop with me. And I was like, I wonder what happens if I type in free stickers into Google. The next thing I knew, it was 2.30 in the morning. And I was still signing up to get free stickers. <laughs> Every once in a while, I still get an envelope in the mail 
with my name on it, and I have no idea what the company is, but I open it up and there's stickers in there. <laughs> like, I, I don't even remember filling this out. I love getting free stuff. But here's where I stumble. Staying in love with Jesus. Constantly being reminded that there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. I'm still trying to earn my status with him. I still try to earn his favor. But there's nothing I can do. It's because he's my father. It's because he loves me. That's where my security comes from. That's where my status with him comes from. It's not our goodness, it's his good grace. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen off, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Nine chapters ago, back in chapter two, Paul wrote, it's God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. It's God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. I had a coworker some years back who just kind of drove me crazy. It seemed like they would continually do things that, that bothered me, that offended me. And one day something changed. I don't know what it was. I never went and asked. But suddenly their behavior towards me changed. They started being nice to me. They started saying nice things. They started supporting me, advocating for me. And I knew I had done nothing to deserve this new behavior. Because when they agitated me, I would do everything I could to agitate them back. But suddenly, suddenly, they're being kind and nice to me. See, I know what happened. It was God's grace through them. But all of a sudden, now my behavior started changing. Their kindness towards me exposed my hatred towards them. And so suddenly, as I'm feeling loved and cared for, I want to do the same thing for them. Now, I wish at the time I had been mature enough to be listening to God and so that I could have been the one to go first, but it wasn't the case. God chose to love me through them and allow me to repent so that I could act as I was supposed to. So this is what's happened to Paul. This is what God wants to do in us. He wants to change our hearts. He wants us to understand how much he loves us so that we can tell the world how much he loves them. There's other branches that need to be grafted into the tree. Amen. Now, we've spent some time in chapter 9 and, and some time in chapter 11, but right in the middle, chapter 10, there's some evidence of what it looks like if we are remaining in God's heart, if, if his heart has been changing ours. Verses 14 and 15. How then, excuse me, how then will they, be, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
See, as we remain in the kindness of God, and as our heart starts to change to look a little bit more like His, we become a little bit more missional. And we begin to realize that the family is not closed off. It is an open family that wants to invite everyone into it. And so we can no longer sit back. We can no longer just be comfortable being in the tree. We have to be those who invite more in. And now Paul gives us a couple different options of how we can be involved in this. And so many of you have sent us out. And this church has been a launching pad for Envision Atlanta. And everything that we have gotten to do every time the gospel has been preached to the nations, you guys have been a part of that. But if that's all you've done is send, God is inviting you to also be one who is sent. Because you have neighbors that need to know that there is a family that wants to adopt them. You have people in your own family, your own earthly family, who have not yet have been adopted. And so God wants to use you for that as well. Now, I can't look out and, and know where anyone in this room stands with God. But I can tell you this, that each one of us, as Romans 3.23 says, has sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But because of his kindness, he sent his son to die for us. So that we might be able to spend eternity with our heavenly family with the family of God, with our Father. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you have never confessed that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me. I would invite you. This is your opportunity to step into the family, to be adopted into the family of God. He wants you in his family. The family is incomplete because you are not in it, and it is open to everyone. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I am evil to my core. And there is nothing that I can do to earn my place with you. But your word says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, I will be saved and I will be adopted into your family. So right now, Lord, I choose to step into that. I choose to take the step of faith to believe in you and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Just want to ask if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you'd stick your hand up real quick. Now, some of us have been in the kindness of God. We've been saved for years, decades maybe. But looking back on your life, realized that you haven't always stayed in the kindness of God. 
that maybe you've drifted out into your own working and your own abilities. The invitation this morning for you is to step back into it. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forward if that's you. But I want to tell you a really quick story. I wasn't sure I was going to actually be able to get up and preach in this service this morning. Because at the beginning, God chose to tell me how much he loves me. See, he sent someone who had never met me before. Well, I could be wrong, but I think it's their first time in this church who shouldn't have known that I was preaching on the kindness of God this morning. And he sent them to pray with me. To remind me to stay within the kindness of God. And God loves us each that much. He has filled your life with these moments where he just wants you to know how much he loves you but you have to open up your eyes and to see them. And so this morning, if you want to step back into the kindness of your Father, to stop striving, to stop trying to earn your place with Him, then come forward. Come forward. Kneel here at the altar. Pray with someone. Whatever you need to do to let God know that you are ready to receive his kindness again.